today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Colin Mocker is joining with Brad Sherwood, another guy that you would know from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, they've created a show called Stream of Consciousness. It's a live improv set that you can watch over Zoom. You can tune into it Sunday at 7 and then next Saturday at 8 and a bunch of other times. I'll give you the website in a minute uh, to watch this. It's audience participation. Whose line is it anyway, basically, which is great because that's what they do. Uh, I am so excited to have Colin Mockery, who is one of those two stars of that, join us now. Uh, by the way, Colin Mockery, the 11th most famous person named Colin in the world, according to Ranker.com. I don't know if that gives you great joy, Colin, or if that gives you great concern that you only come in at number 11 for most famous Collins. I'm shocked. I, um, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know the two people who were ahead and before or behind you and, and ahead of you. So I, I think they've really messed this one up. You should be much higher than 11. Obviously, this was a, a list started by Ryan Stiles. There's been a lot of hidden <laughs> hostility. Whatever. <laughs> I must ask you, just before we took the break for the news and came on for this hour, we were talking about a movie that apparently it's a real movie that's been produced and is going to be on Lifetime Channel this Sunday. It's kind of one of those Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, it's called A Recipe for Seduction. And yeah. it's this, it's a love story involving Colonel Sanders as a young yeah. man. I As soon as I heard this, I thought, I can only imagine what Colin Mockery would have done if this was a premise that he had to handle on one of your shows. I, at, at first, I thought, oh, it, it, this must be a parody. And then when I saw a trailer, I said, oh, no, it's not good enough to be a parody. This is a real thing. <laughs> so um, I, I, I'm almost intrigued enough to, to watch it. But, you know, I grew up with, you know, Colonel Sanders as Colonel Sanders. To imagine him as a young stud spreading his herbs and spices, I, I just can't <laughs> imagine. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I want to envision anybody spreading herbs and spices, quite frankly. But that's... um. You know, it's a thought, but again, I'm I'm wondering if if that had been something thrown to you in one of your whose line is it anyway sketches, or or even on stream of consciousness, would that be something you would latch onto with glee, or would you go, how the world do I do that? Absolutely, latch on, absolutely, because <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I think we could have a lot of fun with it. And believe me, who is more desirable than Colonel Sanders? Even as an older gentleman, he had that certain something where you thought, oh, I'd like to cover him in batter. <laughs> well, and I don't know if you know this, I assume you did, but near the end of his life, he lived in Mississauga. I did you know that? I did not know that. Colonel Sanders finished his life. He, he ended up his life living in a little home in Mississauga. It's a true story. Wow. I, well, uh, thank you for that fact. I, I did not know that. <laughs> don't know what you're going to do with it, but it's, you know, it's something to ruminate over later in the night when you're lying in bed oh. and you're thinking, wow, there we go. Well, I could do, I could do, you know, the later years. Uh, Colonel Sanders, the Canadian edition. Yeah. Desire for desire, but not quite getting it. <laughs> um, you, you know, what's amazing to me as, as we were talking, I was thinking about this show, you're doing stream of consciousness and everybody knows you from whose line is it every way and everything and everything else. Did I, I've read, were you really cut twice from auditions for whose line is it anyway? You didn't make the cut twice. Is that true? Um, I I didn't make the cut once, and then it just got exaggerated. I've heard I, I didn't make it three times, which um, I, I didn't make it the first time. I managed to make it the second time. And then I think what people got confused about was after my first show, uh, 
I mean, I, I looking back at it, I can honestly say I sucked. So <laughs> I, I think um, I find I, that hard to believe. Oh, I know we all do. Maybe the other ten Collins might jump on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but it was only because of Ryan who um, they they started to shoot some shows in New York, the British um, version. And Ryan said, give Colin another chance. And, you know, Ryan and I had been already at that point, we grew up together, so we'd work forever. And they put us together, and then it just sort of built from there. So, um, yeah, but there was only one audition that I didn't get. What What is the magic of it? Because, I mean, there, look, there is a magic, and, and 99.999% of people in the world could not do what you do. And you know that, and that's a pat on the back, but it's the truth as well. What is the magic? How does it work when it works? Mm. Well, I mean, a lot of different ingredients go into it. Like, um, I mean, the people on Whose Line are amazing and great people to work with. So that takes like 50% of any kind of pressure away. And part of it is just having confidence that you can walk out on stage with nothing and just have enough trust in yourself and the people you're working with that something's going to come to you. Um, you know, for all of us, it's, it's it's exciting and I'm, i mean i've been doing this for almost 40 years now and it's still as much fun there's never a time i walk on stage going okay everything i know exactly what's going to happen tonight no every night is a crapshoot and it just um basically it's survival just trying yeah. to survive you say exciting i would bet that most actors would describe it not as exciting but as terrifying because there's an empty chasm below you if it if it bombs there is nothing there to prop you up that's true but unlike stand up when you bomb an improv you're taking friends with you so it's a nice feeling <laughs> Well, there's, there must have been, I mean, you said your first one was awful. There must have been others along the way where you've had moments where you've stood on that stage with a glassy eyed look and gone, well, that just was awful. I can't imagine oh, it's yeah. happened often, but has it? it it's happened, uh, you know, it, when you go out there, you've got a 50-50 chance at best. And there, have, there was one show where Brad Sherwood, uh, Ryan Stiles and I did um, at the Laugh Factory in... Um, Los Angeles. It was so bad. The show was over. Each of us just left the stage, got into our cars, and didn't talk to each other for two weeks because it was just so horrendous. What categorizes horrendous? Because if it's a stand-up, nobody laughs. I suppose that may be part of it. But how do you how do you determine if it's gone really well or really horribly? I think this is a good sign when you hear during one of your sketches. Someone in the audience go, God, give me a crowbar. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You're doing this thing now that's online. And, and one of the things about any stand-up comedian, which I've not done, by the way, I don't want to make it sound like I have, but you hear from comedians. And I have to believe in what you do with improv. There's so much of it that is riding on the feedback from the crowd and getting that confidence that what you're doing is clicking. How do you do that when you, when you don't have that? Yeah, this has been our biggest um, sort of learning curve and realizing how important the audience is. I mean, not only we get all the suggestions from them for our scenes, but they, too, uh, dictate the, the pace of the show. They can sort of indicate, okay, they're not into this kind of humor. Let's try this. Um, with this show, it's like, okay, we just we truly have to believe in each other and think, okay, we're funny. Let's just do it. And, and so far, it's worked out. 
Let me ask you a couple things. I, when I mentioned to a couple people you were coming on, there were a couple questions that almost everybody had, and I'm sure you've been asked this question a million, these questions a million times, but nonetheless, it's, it's of endless fascination to people. And mostly people find it impossible to believe that you truly are walking onto the stage with nothing. They, they, they just can't believe you don't have some heads up ahead of time of what's coming. Is it really walking out there with a blank slate? It, it is. I mean, we know um, what games we're playing and that's it. But as I say, every scene starts with a suggestion from the audience. Um, every, what I love about, I mean, it's sort of a backhanded compliment in some way where people say, oh, it, it's like when we do really well, they go, oh, you must have written that. When we suck, they go, boy, that was improvised. So there's really there's no way you can win. Or, or every way you can win, because that's, that, I mean, that, again, if that, that's, if they are accusing you of making it up ahead of time, which I kind of just did in a roundabout way, I mean, that is the highest compliment you could possibly get, I would think. That, it, is. That you, it is. And I, I always tell people, you know what you should do? At our uh, shows, um, transcribe the scenes, and then afterwards, look at them and see if they make any sense. <laughs> they, they don't. It's just because at that time, with that suggestion, what we were doing, it all kind of made some sense and was funny. But if you tried to do it as a sketch, it would fail miserably because it, it truly doesn't make sense most of the time. Have you ever, you must have at times said something in the moment that caught even you by surprise that that popped out of your mouth. There have been times, yeah. Um, I mean, that's the beauty of improv is everyone is surprised, the audience, us. There's just, you know, we can control a little better because we have to, we have to. But yeah, there have been times where you say something, you go, oh. <laughs> and there's sometimes you say something that you think, oh, this is, um, <laughs> you, there's a, a double meaning that you didn't realize as you say it. Um, so all of a sudden it becomes an incredibly sexual joke that you thought, no, I was just saying something nice about that dog. It's, uh, so that's, <laughs> That's those times where you're like a, a, a few seconds behind the audience are kind of interesting <laughs> where you go, Oh, what? Oh yeah. That, I guess that is funny, but I didn't mean that. Well, I, I was watching a few, a bunch of stuff last night as I was thinking about talking to you the night before. And, and one of the scenes, and, and again, it's one of those ones I thought there's no way he even realized this was coming out of his mouth at the moment. The, the, the one you didn't, people can look it up on YouTube. It's everywhere. Uh, the answer about the Arctic turn was was just one of the most ridiculous yeah. and most hilarious things ever. And I can't believe you walked onto the stage that day thinking at some point I'm going to throw out Arctic Turn as an answer. I Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, they have, there's this theory that when um, you're in a dangerous situation and your life flashes before your very eyes, <laughs> because your brain is downloading all the information you've ever had in your life, to see if there's something that will help you out of this particular particular situation. And I think that's what happens with improv sometimes. I know nothing about the Arctic turn. I didn't even know <laughs> I knew what the, the words Arctic turn, but it was something I must have read or doing a crossword, and it came out. And I, I find talking to some of the other improvisers, it's like, oh, yeah, there's sometimes you make a reference, and you go, where did that come from? Um and as you're watching the audience Google it to figure out what it was you said, it, it's um, it's fascinating. There has to be though, in, in a serious way, sort of not not you know not Sammy Maudlin in all seriousness as a comic, but in, I mean somewhat seriously. 
there has to be amazing pressure on you because of this, um, because of what you do and how you do it. I believe in, and I've got a little personal thing here that there must be a belief that you can be funny at all times, anytime. And, you, and you'll obviously not know this, but many years ago, my wife, my family and I were flying home from Orlando from a trip to Disney world. And it turns out you and your family plopped in the seats in the Orlando airport, right in front of us. You'd been doing, I think a Disney movie in Disney world. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And you sat there. I didn't say anything, but people started coming up to you and you know, they recognize you from whose line is it anyway? And it was all good. And you were very generous with all these people until the guy came up and th sort of thrust his phone in your face and said, say something funny to my wife. And I thought that's gotta be just, brutal at times that you're the guy who is supposed to be able to just on a dime be hilarious to everybody at all times yeah it, yeah it, i mean it is hard because you know i'm not a joke teller i can't just throw jokes out there i i work with other improvisers so when somebody does that it my first impulse is just to be incredibly rude <laughs> in the video <laughs> to the person who asked me to do this uh but I have to say, it's it's fairly rare. I, I have to say, like ninety nine percent of the people are always um, lovely, you know. And I'm, you know, I'm fortunate that I'm not like playing Hannibal Lecter or something. Um, <laughs> That's true. You know, people feel that uh, from whose line that they know us because we're like ver TV versions of ourselves. I mean, we're not exactly like that. My my uh, my wife calls. Uh, the guy on whose line, the other, because it's nothing like me in real life. And it's, um, I mean, the other guys are pretty much exactly what you see. But, um, <laughs> you know, the I'm audience sure. really feels that they know us. And a lot of them, you know, have grown up with us. It's like we're all some weird version of Mr. Rogers to them. So they feel like they, they really know us. Well, I mean, it's such a specific, and we only have a minute or so left here. It's such a specific talent though it's a great talent it's an unbelievable talent but it's so specific had, had improv not come along had you not stumbled into it what would colin mockery have done with his life what, what other skills do you have that you could have applied and made a living doing see that's the thing i i have no other skills and I, i'm not being modest I'm, I'm not being humble i have nothing i i, <laughs> I have absolutely nothing I, I i look back and every day i go i'm working, doing a job that didn't exist when I was growing up. And it's the fact uh, that a show came along that showcased the one thing I can do and gave me a career. I, 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 I yeah, I, I truly have nothing. I mean, I like to cook, but I don't like people. So I wouldn't open a restaurant. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I truly gigolo but i think my expiry date's way past now i yeah. don't know what i can do yeah you know everyone's got a predilection you know it could still yeah. work you never know uh, because I, I do i mean i do understand that your first ever movie was with molly ringwald and i'm just assuming you were the love interest no no i i uh i fought for it but no instead i was the guy who uh kidnapped her to take her to the villain <laughs> what was the movie I, called uh, Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, in 3D. <laughs> in 3D, of course. Yeah. Yes, well, it is... In um, 3D and, uh, true fact, directed by um, a man who had one eye. Come so on. It was... No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> there, were, there were many problems with that show. That movie. 
that was the least I got, of it. I saw a very brief clip of it, but I'm going to have to try and look it up. It's got to be on DVD somewhere. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. VHS. Oh, I, if I had longer, I'd tell you a story. Feel free if you wish. I'll tell you this story. This was one of my favorite Hollywood stories. This We shot it in Vancouver. Uh, it was like 1980. So there wasn't a big film industry at that point in Vancouver. So there's a point where the, uh, Molly Ringwald and Peter Strauss, who are the heroes, go into this cave, and um, there's bat people hanging upside down who start to attack them. And it's in 3D, so you know a lot of hands are coming out and stuff. So, of course, uh, Vancouver didn't have the facility to have all the bat costumes, so they had to call down to L.A. Uh, Ken Crate show up, and I, I'm... I just count my blessings that I was there when this happened. They opened up the crate, and it was 10 crates of fat suits. <laughs> so when you watch the movie, they go into a cave with these fat people hanging upside down <laughs> to attack them. Well, you know, it makes it more interesting, especially for a one-eyed <laughs> director. It does. It really does. The, um, the online thing, if you want to watch Colin, and I mean, honestly, who wouldn't want to watch Colin with Brad Sherwood, who again, you would know certainly from whose line is it anyway. It's called Stream of Consciousness. Uh, you can watch it. It's through Zoom. You can buy a ticket. It's on this weekend. It's on next week. And it goes on a bunch of times between now and about the middle of January. Uh, go to PassportShows.com or just type in stream of consciousness, Colin Mockery, you will find it there. It's probably a lot quicker than me giving out the full email or web address, which is very long and you'll never remember. But Colin Mockery, stream of consciousness. Uh, listen, real treat to talk with you today. Love your work. So, so amazed always at what you can do. And uh, like so many other people, wish I could do it. But, you know, we just sit here and, um, and watch you and admire what you do. And I really appreciate the time today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on. And thank you for my new Colonel Sanders fact. Please, you know what, Sun, uh, Saturday or Sunday this week? This week is, um, let's see, this week is Saturday, right? Uh, sure. For the show. Uh, this week is, no sorry, idea. Sunday. Sunday at seven this week. Hopefully Colonel Sanders as a love interest will will emerge at some point. There you go. Okay. As a Canadian <laughs> can love interest. Colin Mockery, thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. Oh, thank you. I appreciate being on. Uh, honestly, one of... Canada's funny. We've had a lot of funny people that have emerged from this country, a lot of funny people. And you think of John Candy and Martin Short from right here in Hamilton and Dave Thomas and, and Joe Flaherty. And I mean, all the guys from SCTV and on and on and on. Colin Mockery is right up there. And the most amazing thing, and, and like, I keep saying it because I, I, I am constantly in awe of this. I mean, I do this radio show and we don't script the radio show. We, we interview and we talk and we have conversations, but there is no expectation on me every night to be hilarious constantly. And more than that, not just to have the expectation to do it. You never watch Colin Mockery and think, oh, that wasn't funny. There may be a moment where it misses, but not very often. And there's something right afterwards. Colin Mockery is there. He is a genius. I, I mean that. And, and what a treat to talk to him. And again, uh, stream of consciousness is the name of the show. It's a zoom online thing. You can participate by watching it. Uh, look up Colin Mockery, M O C H R I E. If you want to know the right spelling, if you want to buy a ticket, it's on this weekend. It's on next weekend. Uh, all the times will be there. Fantastic stuff. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play and listen to The Scott Radley Show weeknights from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.